preschool families know Four Mile has been investing in this community via preschool for decades. And I don't know about you, but I think they just keep getting better, our preschool teachers and the program. So thank you so much for um, allowing us to be a part of your kids' lives, and thank you for sharing them with us this morning. If you've never been here at Four Mile Church, we thought that maybe there were just a couple things that you might want to know about us. First of all, we want every single person that comes through those doors to know that it is absolutely okay to not be okay. There is not a single person in this room that has got it all figured out. We don't have it all together. None of us are okay. We just don't want to stay in that not okay place. We want to keep growing and becoming more and more of who God wants us to be. But the only way that can happen is if we love each other enough to tell the truth. And so that's the second thing that we do here at Four Mile Church. We love you enough to tell you the truth. And that's not always an easy thing to hear. Um, It's not always what we, you know, it's not always fun, but it's always good. It's always what we need. And that truth is found in the words, works, and person of Jesus Christ. We pursue him with everything we've got. As a matter of fact, and most importantly, here at Four Mile Church, Jesus is our one thing. And so during Advent especially, when it is so easy to get caught up in all the extra stuff going on, we want to give ourselves to focusing everything we've got on him alone. And so we're using this Advent wreath to do that. So you'll see that we have these four black candles around the one white Christ candle. And I know that we caught a few people off guard last week with the black candles, but hear me out. So what they represent actually are so many of the things that we do or experience during the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, but they're not at all really what God wants for us in Christ. So, I mean, let's be honest, by the time Christmas is over, not many of us find ourselves feeling renewed and refreshed, right? In fact, that's the very question that we want to ask ourselves this year. Because, listen, it's a question that we all have to answer. We all have to choose. When Christmas is over, are we going to feel dead? Weighed down by debt? Exhausted? Feeling alone and depressed? Are we going to be dead because we've allowed the billions of holiday expectations and traditions just run us into the ground? Or... Are we going to feel alive in Christ because we spent the entire season focused on that one thing, the only thing that matters during this and every season, which is our relationship with Jesus Christ? So last week, we snuffed out this candle. We're going to do it again this morning, I think. Yep. We snuffed out that candle because often at Christmas, we end up going deep into debt that sometimes takes us months, even years to pay off, buying stuff that none of us really really need rather than going over the top to be rich in love and joy and grace as we spend time together, worshiping and, and praising Christ together, building one another up in him. When Christmas is over, we don't want to feel dead and lifeless inside because we allow materialism to creep into our hearts. That's what happens when we lose sight of our one thing that matters most. And so this week, We want to talk about something else that can get totally unhinged during this month leading up to Christmas. Let's watch this video.
don't know about you, but that video is just kind of speaking to me, right? It's speaking my language this morning because I literally get like a visceral response deep down in my gut. When I get started, you know, when people start asking me, sometimes in October, have you started shopping yet? Are you taking advantage of Cyber Monday? Are you going out on, on Good Friday? Are you, or not Good Friday, on Black Friday? Um, you know, I mean, that, I would be really late if I waited till Good Friday. Um, is your house all decorated? You haven't started shopping yet? Are you going to get a matching family photo out in the middle of a field on a sleigh pulled by real reindeer while it's snowing outside? Do you have your annual holiday family letter written yet? Did you go shopping yet? You haven't started shopping yet? Are you coming to my party? Will you go to my party? Are, can, are you going to have a party? Are you going to host Christmas? Who's hosting Christmas? What's the menu? Are you going to come to that cookie exchange? Like, <gasps> sweet mercy, y'all. I cannot even keep up. It exhausts me thinking about it. But is all that stuff really necessary? Is it okay? Am I okay if I just don't do it all? When Jesus was here, he issued an invitation to every single one of us. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you hear those words, doesn't your soul just want to take a deep breath and settle in. Our celebrating of Jesus at Christmas shouldn't give us an ulcer because we're so stressed out and sleep deprived trying to get all the things done when in fact the best thing we could do is just sit in his presence and enjoy him, enjoy his goodness and his grace and his mercy and then out of that to enjoy meaningful and refreshing fellowship with one another. So none of those things I mentioned earlier are bad. You can totally do them, but we just have to be so careful to ask ourselves, why are we doing all the things that we're doing? Is it really necessary? Is all of the endless activity helping us focus on Jesus? Or is it just robbing us of joy and and life and energy? Because if it's not helping us focus on Jesus, then we're missing it. Right? We want to be filled with the life that he came to bring us. And so church, this year, I can't talk and do two things. I can't. There. This year, let's not get sucked into these crazy, exhausting schedules. Instead, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's rest in him. That's why he came. We are 21 days away from Christmas. So what can you and your family do? to strip away all the stuff that doesn't matter so that you can experience the joy and the love and the peace that Christ came to give us so that you can focus on the one thing that matters most of all, Jesus. In all of our holiday happenings, may each and every one of us seek to glorify God alone. Church, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we truly are grateful this morning for the reminder that Christ came so that we can find our rest in you. God, this world, our lives, they are just so full of constant motion, activity, and noise. It is truly exhausting on so many levels. But God, this year, we want to be different. We want to look forward to and celebrate Jesus, maybe like we never have before. God, we ask that you would help us to identify those things on our calendars that just aren't necessary. They aren't helping us to keep our eyes and our hearts centered on our one thing. 
We ask that you would give us the grace and the strength and the will to slow down and to truly be present and enjoy every single moment. Help us to know that we actually glorify you by caring for our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health, by not running ourselves into the ground with overcommitted schedules and empty activity. Lord, we do thank you for this Advent season. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, that our souls might know their Savior. As David brings us your word, um, we ask that your spirit would open our eyes and hearts to receive the truth with gladness and to respond in humble obedience. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the scripture that David will be preaching through this morning is from John chapter 1. This is verses 1 through 8. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is God's word. All right, so here we are. Second week in Advent, right? 21 and a wake up until the big day. And when the thought rushes over you that it's only three weeks away, how many people out there have that anxiety or that panic attack? You could almost feel it when Cammy described that. But here at Four Mile, we're not going there. You can check our pulses. We're keeping nice and low. It's really easy, right? Because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. We want to focus and prepare on the Christmas that we find in Scripture, not the Christmas that the world tells us that we need to celebrate where you got to have a Merry Christmas by doing a whole bunch of things that can only be described as sheer and utter chaos, right? With all these gifts that you got to buy, these stockings that need to be stuffed, these trees that need to be decorated, these cards that need to be written, on and on and on. Now, to be completely clear here, we are not one of those churches that hates on all things Hallmark traditional Christmas, right? You see, we got wreaths in the windows. We got some lights up in the aisle here. If you came in the back door, you saw some trees and a nativity scene, and hopefully you got some cookies before you came up here today. So we're not hating on all those things, right? We just want to stay focused on the single biggest event in all of history, that Jesus came. God sent his one and only son to live with us and to bring us into relationship with him for all eternity. We don't want to miss out on the greatest gift ever because we've somehow become obsessed with gingerbread houses or something like that or whatever we get caught up in in this Christmas season. Now, this is a season of profound joy, a season to remember the birth of our Savior. And we can do that without racking up a whole bunch of outrageous credit card debt. And we can also do that without running ourselves to complete and utter exhaustion, simply by choosing right here, right now, to look through all this Christmas chaos and to fix our eyes on Jesus so that we can grow in a relationship with him and so that we start out 2024 alive in Christ. And that's exactly why we've chosen the Gospel of John to study during this Advent season. 
John is one of those apostles that just cut straight to the chase. In fact, when you read his nativity account, he doesn't have wise men, he doesn't have shepherds, he doesn't have angels, mangers, none of that stuff. And like us, John isn't hating on that. He's just focused on that one thing, Jesus. That's where his singular soul focus is. And that's exactly where we want ours to be this year as well. Now last week, John took us back to before the beginning of time, where Jesus was with God. And that was a little mind-blowing, because sometimes we don't think of it that way. We learned that Jesus is the one through whom all things were created, and the one in whom all things are sustained. He's the light that came to shine in the darkness of this world to bring us into a relationship with him. And today, we come to the part in John's account where he mentions another John, John the Baptist. As he writes, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So today, we're going to see what John the Apostle has to teach us about John the Baptist. The Apostle John starts out, there was a man sent from God. Now this is important, because this just isn't any man. This is a man that God sent. In biblical language, that means that he was a prophet. He came as one carrying a message from God. This was huge. Because after God's chosen nation, Israel, was led off into exile around 500 B.C., God stopped sending prophets. He went completely silent on the nation Israel for more than 400 years. And all the while, Israel was under the rule of the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans. And during those more than four centuries of oppression, they held out hope for a Savior the one who had been spoken about for centuries by so many Old Testament prophets. In fact, depending on how you count them, there are more than 300 Old Testament prophecies about a coming Messiah. These are promises from God, and we cannot forget them because he will always make good on them. And as we've learned, Jesus would fulfill every single one of those hundreds of prophecies just as they were foretold some centuries before. And one of those prophecies about a coming Messiah from Isaiah in 700 B.C. is especially important in our text today. It reads, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So now why is this particular prophecy about a coming Messiah so important for our text today? Because later in this chapter, when John the Baptist is asked by church officials who he is, his response is precisely Isaiah 40, almost verbatim. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. So in his own words, this is how John describes himself. So not only was John the Baptist part of the Old Testament prophecy that was written about him some 700 years before, but as the Apostle John tells us, he was also a man sent from God. So he too was a prophet. 
the first one that had been heard from, from the nation Israel in more than 400 years. So the opening lines of our text today are of great historical significance. But there's even more history that the Apostle John reminds us of here as we look at the next line. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And you might be thinking, well, that's just the name of this guy. What's the big deal about that? But when we check out how John got his name, we find it's actually quite profound. You see, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she had a cousin whose name was Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is, is the mother of John the Baptist. And both Mary and Elizabeth become pregnant around the same time. But Elizabeth is much older. Some scholars think she's probably in her 80s. And she's been barren all of her life. Now, Elizabeth's husband, his name is Zechariah, and he is a priest. And one day, when he's burning incense at the temple, an angel of the Lord appears to him, and the angel informed him that his barren and elderly wife, Elizabeth, was going to give birth to a son. Now, there are a couple really important features about this son that the angel declared that day. First, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, even while he was in his mother's womb. Second, he will turn many to the Lord. Third, he will go before the Lord. Fourth, he will prepare people to receive the Lord. And fifth, his name shall be John. Now when Zechariah first hears all of this, he can't bring himself to believe it. And that's kind of understandable, right? When you think about how old Elizabeth was and the fact that she'd never been able to have a child before. So, when the angel declared this truth, he had this unbelief. And because of his unbelief, the angel told him that you will not be able to speak a word again until the child was born. So we fast forward about nine months or so when the baby arrives, and it's time to name him. And Zechariah is asked, what will you call this boy? And he writes on a tablet, his name is John. And then immediately, Zechariah was able to speak again. So it's no small thing when the Apostle John writes that his name was John. This is the man who was sent from God, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, full of the Holy Spirit, sent to turn many to the Lord by going before him and preparing people to receive him, as foretold some 700 years prior by the prophet Isaiah. And his name was John. And all of this, of course, is vitally important because of why he was sent. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Now, in the original language, the word witness is martyria, and it means the office committed to the prophets of testifying concerning future events. So back in the day, this is how Israel would know if a prophecy had actually come from God. A prophet would speak well in advance of some significant events, and if it came true, the prophecy was believed to be from God. But if it didn't unfold as prophesied, then it wasn't a word of truth or a promise from God. The prophet had clearly spoken falsely in God's name. We call that a false prophet, and the penalty was death. So this meant false prophets didn't have much longevity back in the day like they do today. We don't tend to knock false prophets off these days just because they say something that they heard from God but actually isn't true. But in any case, for more than 400 years, 
Israel hadn't received a single word from the Lord. He'd been completely silent. And now here's this guy whose name was John, sent from God to bear witness about the light. And as we learned last week, the word light refers to Jesus, or the Word, the long-awaited Messiah. So John came with a message concerning future events that the Messiah, the light, was finally here. In other words, John had been sent to remind people about God's promises. It's so important that we live our lives in remembrance of all that God promises as we find it in the truth of the Word or of Scripture. And how is it that John actually instructed people to prepare for the Messiah? Well, Scripture records John directing the people to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You see, there's absolutely no better way to prepare to meet the Messiah than to do this, to repent. This is it. We repent of our sin. Repent means to turn from something and to turn to something else. And that's something that John is on about, is turning from the darkness of the sin in our lives to the light of Christ. It's turning from the things of the world represented by that wide, dark path you see up there that leads to eternal destruction and turning to the narrow, the well-lighted path that leads to the kingdom of God, where the focus is on God's glory alone. You see, repentance is a key part of placing our faith in Jesus. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and grants us the gift of faith, we're born again into a new life in Christ by that red drop of Christ's blood that you see up there on the graphic. It's part of God's promise to forgive and to forget our sins. It's ultimately why God sent John to bear witness to this truth so that all who heard John's testimony might believe that the long-awaited Messiah was finally here because the message John carried from God is that whoever believes in him will be brought into a relationship with him for all eternity. And this is the truth that John bore witness to back in the day, and it's still absolutely 100% true today. And it's exactly why he is one of the best people to help us Get ready for Christmas, even in 2023. And notice, we don't get ready by buying gifts, decorating, or making gingerbread houses, despite what the world tells us. In fact, we actually get ready by repenting, actually turning from the things of the world and turning to our Lord and Savior, seeking His glory in all humility. Yes, that's how we prepare for our coming Messiah, who could return again any day now. And that is the hope that we have at Christmas. And then to make sure that we don't confuse John the Baptist with Jesus the Messiah, the Apostle John closes here by making it clear, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And this is yet another point that we don't want to just gloss over because of the pride that resides within each and every one of us. It's why we say each week, as Cammie just mentioned, it is okay to not be okay at Four Mile Church. There are no perfect people in here. That is so important to us. We remind ourselves of it regularly because if we don't, we'll start having that pride well up in us. We'll start to actually think that we can be like Jesus, right? And we certainly shouldn't be running around acting like that. And John gets that too. 
Because when people proclaimed that he might actually be the Messiah, he made it really clear. He was simply the voice of one calling in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord. In fact, he's famously quoted in John chapter 3 as saying, He must increase, but I must decrease. You see, it's all about humility. That's what lies at the heart of repentance. When we take our eyes off of ourselves, we stop chasing after worldly happiness, we decrease, and we place our eyes squarely on Jesus so that he increases in our lives. You see, when we chase after all the supposed worldly happiness that you see at the top of that graphic up there, when Christmas is over, we can most certainly expect to be dead, in debt, exhausted, alone, and depressed. We all know this to be true because it happens to us year in and year out. But when we start chasing after eternal holiness so that he increases by humbly repenting, turning from the things of this world and turning to the holiness of Christ, growing in our relationship with him, we will most certainly start out 2024 alive in Christ. And that is our focus here this Advent at Four Mile Church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that whoever believes in you will not perish, but will have eternal life. That is the gift we celebrate this Christmas season. So would you help us to fix our eyes squarely on your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we might grow in our relationship with him. It's in his mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen.